Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for stopping by. I want to take you back. Think back to maybe when you were a kid. Did you ever have to wear braces? Those metal grills in your mouth, those painful tightenings that you had to get every so often in order to straighten your teeth. Now, I was fortunate. I only had to wear a retainer for about a year. And but I know so many other people that went through that process of wearing these, I call them grills, these braces. Well, my guest today, frankly, came up with a better mousetrap. Right. We always talk about how can you improve, come up with something, disrupt an industry, and really create a new opportunity, a new product that really disrupts and changes something that has been so status quo for so many years. Well, my guest today, John Pham, DDS and MS, right? He's an engineer and then created this product. So I want you to sit back, listen to John's story, because there's so many lessons in here, so many processes, right? He didn't just start and create this company out of thin air. He has been an entrepreneur. He had learned a lot of different lessons along the way. And now he has a product that is changing the lives and changing the ways of people that now need braces and need their teeth straightened. This is a fascinating story. And I want you to really listen in and listen to the opportunities for you to learn from John. At Craft. Our team of marketers provide consulting, interim, fractional, and leadership services, focusing on the strategic and analytical side of marketing, and we take a holistic view to drive business growth. We are marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, competition, and the market to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. We call them marketing blueprints. Companies work with us when they need to launch, scale, or even pivot their business. By understanding how your company is positioned and perceived in the marketplace, we can help craft your messaging to be more relevant to your customers based on their needs, wants, motivations, and behaviors to ensure your marketing investment is optimized. After all, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint, so why are you building your business without one? To learn more, visit craftmarketingarchitects.com. As I mentioned, my guest is John Pham, CEO and co-founder of Embrace. It's a great story. John, welcome to the Business Growth Cafe. Angelo, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting topic. You know, I, I think on, on the face, if someone's looking at maybe the, the description in the show, they're going to say, you know, that's an interesting topic for the Business Growth Cafe. However, we're really talking about not only your business, but you from an entrepreneur and, and how you grew it, got inspired. And, you know, what I'm hoping at the end of the day, besides telling a fantastic story, that my listeners will be able to say, hey, I can relate to that. Maybe I can take some of these insights and maybe leverage them and think about how I might do my business differently. But before we do all of that, so why don't we start off, why don't you tell the audience about you, your business, and anything else you'd like to share to kind of set the tone. Sure. So uh, hello, everyone. My name is John Pham. I'm an engineer by training, uh, also an orthodontist. Um, and um, our, our team here has invented a new type of uh, behind-the-teeth teeth straightening. 
um, that uh, uh, goes behind the teeth and it essentially um, helps people, you know, get the smile they've always wanted in fewer visits, uh, less time and less pain. Uh, it started off as my master's thesis in school and um, is one of those kind of from garage to venture capital to now $175 million in venture capital raised later. Uh, we're off to the races, changing the world. Wow. That Right there. We can just stop right now. That You gave a great, uh, a lot of inspiration um, right there in that tone. But first of all, so the, from uh, doing your master's in engineering to an orthodontist. Now, obviously, the engineering came first, orthodontist came second as a result of the product you were creating? Yeah, um, so I, I think your question was like, how did we come up with this idea? Um, is that is that, well, is that what you're asking? Well, I wanna go back to, you went to school as an engineer. Correct. You had a thesis, which was this product, I assume, and then you became an orthodontist. Yeah. So, you know, is that, did you become an orthodontist? It was an interesting Yeah, okay. Here. So you could have, experience in the industry in a sense of actually understanding it, living it, breathing it, right? Yeah. So my background is a little bit circuitous and it's one of those entrepreneurial stories where the dots don't make sense. You know, okay. you, you really can't connect the dots going forward. It only makes sense going backwards. So let's maybe kind of start off once upon a time when I went to college, um, I was an engineering major and this was in the 90s. And during that time, it was the tech boom. And uh, I grew up as an immigrant, you know, not much money. And so the first thing I wanted to do when I got to college was to make a ton of money. So I dropped out and actually did my first startup. And that was a, a, a tech startup. You know, we had this idea that if we created a, um, um, an online platform where folks can advertise the things that they were selling, and then we could have a community of people clicking on buttons and then it would show up at their doorstep it was sort of the predecessor to online shopping, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and uh, you know, that was my first startup, you know, back in the 90s, and it did okay, did pretty well, and then the tech burst and the crash and all those things. But um, the point I was making was um, when I had dropped out of school, my mom almost killed me for it, and she kind of told me, like, you know, um, you can't do this. You got to finish, get your education, go out there and get a job, have a stable career. And I told her, if you let me drop out, um, I promise you I'll go back to school to become that doctor you always wanted because every Asian mom wants to have an Asian son that's a doctor, <laughs> right? Right. So uh, dropping out was one of the best things I ever did because I learned a lot, of, a lot about the real world, you know, and I learned a lot about venture capital and startups and how fast ideas can move. Um, Fast forward, you know, when I when I um, graduated, I had a, uh, my 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 degree in engineering. I was working at Boeing, uh, Boeing Corporation, working on airplanes and satellites. My mom taps me on the shoulder one day and says, "Hey, son, um, you know, you remember what you promised me?" And I said, "Okay, you know, I'll I'll go back and get my you know doctor degree." Uh, I, I I ended up going to uh, dentistry and then orthodontics. But once you do, you know, um, startups, once you're an entrepreneur, it never really leaves your blood. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, what I'm saying is that it was actually in orthodontic residency that we came up with the idea of Embrace, right? Mm -hmm. And, and what, um, what had happened was I was doing my rotations um, through Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Uh, 
and we were treating kids with cleft lip and palate. And if you know anything about children with cleft lip and palate, it's one of the most severe types of um, jaw disfiguration, teeth disfigurations. And these children usually come from, you know, uh, socioeconomically deprived families. They're usually in treatment for years on end, like five, six, seven years we're talking about, coming in from hours away every single month to get their, their, their braces tightened. And with my engineering background and with my startup background and my tech background, I thought, you know, is there a way for us to use the latest advancements in engineering so that we don't, so that they don't have to come in every single month anymore for these tightenings? Is there a way for, uh, to do it so they don't have to be in pain every single time they do get these tightenings? And most importantly, is there a way to do it so they don't have to look worse before they look better? I mean, no one wants to look worse before they look better, right? right and exactly. when people are going in for, for teeth straightening, they want to look better. <laughs> and, and so that was the beginning of Inbrace. And as it started scaling and, you know, um, um, getting developed, we, we kind of found that this doesn't apply just to kids with cleft lip and palate. It applies to people like you and me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, years later and raising, you know, all this uh, venture capital funding, um, you know, we're now in orthotic offices across the nation. You know, uh, we have, you know, tens of thousands of smart wires out there is the technology that powers Embrace. Um, and you go on social media, you can kind of see, you know, all the rage that um, that is what Embrace is today. So, I mean, this took 10 years, 15 years to get from idea to a viable business like you have now. Uh, it's an overnight success that only took about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, you, you, everyone here knows how, how, how the story goes. Um, and you know, I would say when we first started this, it, it, it wasn't like we were like, we're going to make this into a business. It really started with, with a need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were researchers early on, just publishing papers. I mean, Embrace is, is, is grounded in very sound science. But, you know, we were just publishing papers and and um, um, really trying to help these kids with cleft lip and palate. So when um, you're, sorry, but when you're, so you're developing the product, right? You're, you're creating it. Obviously it, as researchers, you also have to test on my backgrounds in research. So we're, we're always testing. We're looking, trying to figure out, you know, the combinations of whatever features, whatever we're looking for. And so how do you, were you able to test it at, at the hospitals or how were you able to actually not only develop the product, but actually validate it, because now you have to put it in people's mouths, right, in order to yeah. validate it. Well, I always believe in drinking my own Kool-Aid, so I was the first patient, right? So oh. you got to test on yourself first. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, they start out, you know, uh, testing on myself, you know, testing um, on you know the team members that we had, you know, doing this. Uh, but then it moved into the hospital setting, and then again, um, uh, working at USC. Um, cause that was where I got my, you know, um, my ortho training. Uh, we, we, we started kind of rolling out treating patients there and then eventually it turned into a platform where we can, you know, help have other doctors, uh, you know, jump on board and treat, you know, other patients. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's always challenges, right? The develop the road to growth is never a straight line, a lot of twists and turns and bumps and grinds. But what are, what were some of the biggest challenges in in developing the product? And then as a second part of that, now you're entering a, 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 an existing market. You're now a, 
I'll call it a challenger, but you're also kind of creating a new category. So you're you're really modifying what is, tradition has been is the metal, right? We've already seen the plastics. We already have other innovators out there that have changed Invisalign and those kinds of things that have changed the way people straighten their teeth, more, more adults, I'll say, than kids. And then now you've got something that's completely different, but in an existing category. So how'd you navigate all of that? Angelo, I think the biggest challenge is in trying to do something different. And when we first brought this idea forth, to be quite honest, it was the people who know us the most, who were closest to us, the people within our own school, within our own hospitals, that were saying this would never work or that people don't want this, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, I kind of liken it to maybe the car industry where Detroit is doing fine selling sort of gas-powered cars. And then you got this startup coming out of Silicon Valley saying, hey, there's another way, you know, um, zero emission vehicles are the future, right? And Tesla now is worth more than all those car companies combined, you know, over a trillion dollar market cap, right? right. And same thing here in teeth straightening, you know, um, dentistry is a very trusted, very sort of um, existing establishment and teeth straightening. We all have our point of view on how that's done with, you know, uh, metal brackets and wires and, you know, uh, Invisalign had to really um, change how people think about this and educate the world that, you know, tea straightening is more than just for teens and tweens, but for grownups like you and I as well, mm -hmm. right? And they've 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 not cannibalized into braces, but you know, grown the market actually by bringing in new consumers. And 20 years later, I mean, if you really look at that today, there's really only two options. There's clear aligner therapy, which is what. Invisalign is, and then there's brackets and wires, but there's really no other option, right? And out of the 180 million people in the U.S. who need teeth straightening and can afford it, well, there's only about, what, 6 million starts? So the TAM is large. It's very underpenetrated. And, and we, had to, we had to educate the world that, you know, um, there's an option, there's, a, the, 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 there's another option out there um, that, that can help grow the TAM. Okay. So how did you go about doing that education, right? Because you're you're not you're not marketing it direct to consumers. You're selling basically through orthodontists and, and getting them on board. So there's an education process. And I don't know how many people you have in your organization, but there's a whole lot more of them than you. And so how'd you go about, you know, from a from a marketing standpoint, building that awareness and Look, an interest? Every everything starts with the TAM. And what we need to do is remind the world how big the TAM is. I think, you know, most people on this call, I'm, I'm assuming have teeth, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and, and I'm assuming most people on this call would love to look better and have a better smile, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I would also, you know, uh, uh, take a bet that, uh, you know, a lot of folks here had never thought about teeth stringing for them. And the question is, why not? So that's what we aim to do early on as we were raising money is, is to tell the story and kind of, you know, educate folks um, that, that there are other ways to straighten teeth and that, um, and, you know, all the benefits of teeth straightening as well, right? And, and that, you know, this is something that, that could be for you. And I remember when, I mean, as I mentioned, we were researchers, we were applying to the NIH, we were applying to all these dental grants um, to fund our research, and we were actually being rejected over and over and over again. 
Um, and so to get our first sort of funding grants, we had to apply to the School of Business and apply through the School of Engineering. And I, and I remember very vividly the first sort of business competition I applied to. We were going up against 3D printing. We were going up against sort of the cure for the common flu. We were going up against cancer therapeutics. Um, but we, we ended up winning. It was um, uh, the USC Ideas Empowered program, and we ended up getting a check for $110,000. And every single judge in that competition came up and told us, hey, you know, what you have here, John, doesn't necessarily save lives, but it definitely changes lives. And this pain point that you describe resonates with all of us here. So, you know, speaking to the business growth folks who are listening, you know, in this cafe, um, that you know, the beginning of every journey is tough. And, you know, we're all going to hear a lot of no's. But if you have something that impacts a lot of people's lives, there's always a why to get there. And just focus on that why. Focus on that problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rest will eventually solve itself. Well, you, you said something that, that I, I want to kind of explore a little bit. And I, and I always challenge my clients with this, is what business are you really in? Right? <laughs> are you in engineering? Are you in manufacturing? Are you in marketing? Well, the reality is that's, that's what we do, but it's not why we're doing it, right? We're, and to your point, you're doing it to change lives. Yes. And, and, and change people's perception in their lives and make them feel better. It's not about just straightening their teeth, right? And I mean, I'm 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 not a marketeer by any, you know, in in any means. But if you ask a couple of questions deep enough, you find out the why of why your business exists. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know, teeth straightening beyond that is about feeling better about yourself, having confidence. And so, you know, our competition isn't necessarily just other teeth straightening things. But things that make people feel better about themselves, Botox, LASIK, you know, uh, cool sculpting, right? Or even, you know, beyond that, makeup, lipstick, you know, eyeliner, right? Yeah. I mean, people who, who wear these products, who use these products, who buy these products, you know, care about how they look, care about how they feel. And that TAM becomes much, much larger than just teeth straightening. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's... And, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, even right? talk about Tesla, you know, what's their TAM? Who are they going after, right? Mm -hmm. So much bigger than just, a, you know, an average consumer that wants to drive a car, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, um, anybody out there that's kind of raising money, trying to build a business, so you got to think very, very carefully about your why, about your TAM, about who you're serving. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh Probably about the time you were developing this, I, I I had a research company in the action sports industry, and surfing, skating, and snowboarding is where I focused. And so I did. So I was a researcher. So I did all this work, all this quantitative work. And I remember standing in front of the uh, all the endemics, right, at one of the major trade shows. And I said, you know, here's the addressable market. About 23% of of 14 to 24 year olds are endemic riders. And that's who you focus on. I said, but there's 76% of the same market. And of those, 65% of them are influenced by surf, skate, and snowboard products. And there's there's the bigger market. Yes, it's not the hard good, but it's all the soft goods. It's the shoes, it's the hats, it's the clothing. And it, it took a little while to, to get them to understand that just because you sell a shirt to somebody who doesn't skateboard doesn't mean you know they don't want to reflect right that lifestyle because it makes them feel cool or whatever it happens to be it's the same kind of thing it, it's what how the products make you feel 
and what it does for you and for your psyche. I mean, related to clothes or anything else. But to your point, whether people are doing Botox or makeup or straightening their teeth, and I know a lot of adults, I mean, I'm talking, you know, 45 plus year old adults that are now straightening their teeth. See, see, you know, again, going back to creating new categories and changing how people think about certain markets and industries, I think that is the that is the mission of of of, of me or, or most entrepreneurs that I meet. And you know, we mentioned Botox. I mean, you know, f- from my understanding, Botox is like snake. It's 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 like it's like a toxin coming from a snake's sort of gland, right? And and how does someone think about how to turn this into a product and tell people it's okay to inject snake poison into your face <laughs> because it'll make you feel better about yourself? But it became whatever a multi-billion dollar sort of line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, you know every every single one of us has a smartphone, and when when Steve Jobs first introduced the iPhone and made it sort of a seven hundred dollar iPhone, and you only get it through AT and T, and it's a you know closed garden that you can only do X Y Z things to it, um, and kind of you know uh, how it contrasted so much at the time with where the phone industry was headed towards, which was was you know free flip phones as long as you have a two year contract, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, you know, real category creators do. Yeah. And, and, and really, if you look at it, I mean, that's what you do. Do you feel you're more of a category creator or a disruptor? No, it's kind of a deep question. Um, a little bit of both. Okay. In that I think pure disruption in and of itself only, I think it's about bringing in something new that cannibalizes, mm-hmm. you know, which, which, which means in, in, in our case, okay, you know, the 7 million people getting key strain today are, are all going to switch to embrace, right? Um, but what we're seeing is that, you know, we're not just getting people switching from those things to our thing. We're also getting people that would have otherwise never thought about treatment. And, and that to me is category creation, right? That's kind of... Yeah expanding the blue ocean type yeah. thing, growing the TAM type thing. So we're getting a little bit of both. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. You're, you mentioned it earlier, the fact you're getting adults who may have never thought about straightening their teeth are now doing it. So yeah, from that standpoint, you are creating a category of a, adult braces, if you will, that that in their mindsets, it's like, you know, I don't want to go through, I, you know, I maybe did that as a kid or I know people that did it. The last thing I want to do is be going through that kind of pain. And from what I understand, I didn't have to do that. I wore a retainer. But my friends that got it done, I mean, they used to talk at the agony of going in for those tightening. So not something I ever wanted. So, um, you know, I, I, Angela, I want to kind of ask you, um, maybe let's look at a company like, uh, I don't know, let's look at Facebook and social media, right? Was that a disruptor or was that a category creator? What do you think? I think that... I'd be a category creator because again, given what's going on now, you know, if I, I go back and you just take disruptors, right? You look at Air, Airbnb, was that a category creator? It was a disruptor, but it was all, like you, it was also a category creator because it, it disrupted the rental business, right? And, and just normal hotels and motels and all of that. But people weren't, you know, on a mass scale renting out their homes 
and doing those kinds of things. So, you know, there's a combination to go back and you look at Netflix versus, you know, the, the blockbusters. Did they create something? Interesting story, though. Blockbuster actually had an opportunity to buy Netflix and they I, turned it down at one point in time. See, that, that, that's <laughs> and you know what? I'll be honest, Invisalign, uh, maybe a year or two after they IPO, the first five years, they were struggling. Right. And they were trying to they were putting themselves out for sale, I think, you know, for for 3M and all these other orthodox companies to pick up. Right. And that's the thing with creating new categories is that it's not obvious. It's non obvious. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and you're and you're you're creating product lines that hadn't existed and creating companies and business models that hadn't existed before. So you're making positions that don't exist. Right. And, and yeah, that's yeah. that's the hard part. And that's the rewarding part. And that's the challenging part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for for many of the businesses, I I actually ha, have been a mentor over at UCI, and I've participated in a lot of the pitch fests and talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and been a counsel for them. And it's always interesting too when somebody gets into their product and how they created it and their vision for it, you know. And and as an outside marketing consultant, you're looking at it and saying, okay, this is really cool. Now let me step back and figure out if there's an actual market for it. And my job <laughs> is to challenge stuff. And and there's been some that. I validated with them that, yeah, you got a great idea. And there's others saying, you got a, you got some issues here. Number one, don't do your market research by talking to your mom and your dad and your cousins and your uncles, because they're all going to tell you it's a great product. Right. So is how do you validate that before you get that, way down the road? And a lot of them don't friend, do that. My friend, that is also, again, one of the hardest parts. If you went to Wall Street 10 years ago and asked Wall Street, what's the market for electric vehicles? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what would they have said? Right. Well, and, exactly. you know, I've been doing this long enough to uh, to say when we first started fundraising and people were looking at the market for teeth straightening, they, they you know, they just saying it was, you know, this big. And, and uh, you know, for people who are on audio only, it's not that big. I'm just showing a very small part of my hand here. <laughs> right. But now, you know, six years later, suddenly you know, the market fatigue training is now this big, right? Much, much bigger. There's all these companies out there that are fundraising, right? And and it's not like people have more teeth now than before. You know, something happened in in in, in the public's perception of how this falls into their life. And 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 to me it, it's those it's it's those category creators that know how to change people's point of view and how they look at these things. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you're making it more accessible to a broader audience and you're taking down some of the barriers, whether, and again, I don't know, that's what I'm going to ask you. That's my next question. You know, if it comes to cost and, and, and you know, insurance paying for things, I mean, that's, that's another whole set of, of areas that, that you're looking at is what's the price points, what's the cost barriers, does insurance cover this versus covering something else? I know in a lot of times with ortho, they don't really cover a lot of that stuff, at least from my recollection. Mm-hmm. So, so from a, marketing standpoint, when you're talking to an orthodontist and you're looking to them to bring on your product, what, what are some of the, I'll call them proof points or the points of differentiation that you have found that gives you a leg up and wants them to bring on, whether it's a replacement or an addition to uh, what they're already doing? I think it's as simple as, you know, this is a technology that helps providers make more profit, make more profit, right? Because there's fewer visits, um, and um, uh, you know there's less pain um, because of the Argentine Force technology, and because it's so easy to integrate into into their practice, 
right? Uh, and because you can do everything on the computer, the outcomes are also more predictable. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of uh, at the forefront push those three Ps. Um, but I think on the macro view, again, when you look at the industry and everything's becoming more and more commoditized, mm -hmm. these doctors are looking for something that can help differentiate from everything else that's going on, right? Um, the price for clear therapy is only going down, right? The prices for braces are only going down, right? What's going to help them sort of be specialists and push their price up, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think real value creation is where you can make something. I mean, we are one of those unique things where we can make pricing accessible for, orthodont for, for consumers while at the same time, you know, help orthodontists make more profit while maintaining their their pricing, right? Sure. Because, you know, let me kind of uh, step back and do the backdrop here is um, braces behind the teeth had existed for about 30, 40 years in this industry, okay? Uh, but uh, for you to come in and get it, Angelo, you would have to go to the world's top orthodontist and they would charge you about twelve to $14,000 for it, hmm. okay? We've made it such that orthodontists are now charging somewhere in the neighborhood of 7,000. Right, which is very competitive to the price point of you know conventional braces and clear liner therapy. See, so so you know on on the one hand we made it more accessible for consumers, right? And this is before endurance, by the way. If you have insurance, it brings the price point down even more. Right. Yeah, so you know on the one hand we made it much more um, uh, uh, possible for consumers to get, and then on the other hand we're also helping out uh, doctors. Right um, by by bringing consumers that otherwise wouldn't have had uh, by helping them sort of uh, maintain their price points and not be you know downward pressed mm -hmm. as you know these other products start becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Well, and with less visits too means they can take on more clients. Correct. They're not having to devote that. Is the is this process similar? It takes a couple of years to depending on I guess depending on the kind of teeth straightening that's necessary, but I don't know, two years always used to stick in my mind when somebody would talk, talk about orthodontics. Or, uh, well, with, with all the advancements in AI and, you know, uh, digital treatment planning that we leverage here, uh, what we found is that, you know, uh, on average, patients usually finish about 30% faster, sometimes in, you know, half the time even. Okay. So you're saying some interesting things, AI and computers. And so, I mean, our, when these are in, in put in, are they physically adjusted or are they being adjusted electronically? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, I, I happen to have a, you know, a smart wire in front of me and, um, you know, uh, these smart wires, you can see it here, oh, Angelo. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's made out of what we call shape memory wire. And um, it's, it's, program on the computer to uh, create your ideal perfect smile. And what happens is that when you put it into the mouth on the crooked teeth, it bends, right? Mm -hmm. But when you let go, it starts unraveling and moving the teeth gently towards the end design that we had programmed on the computer. Huh. So so it's, it's not like, you know, um, um, there's some kind of satellite talking to your teeth, you know, every single day. <laughs> it's, it's all programmed beforehand and, and, and almost like a, a, a slinky that you kind of like pull and then it, it, it kind of returns back to its sure, pre-programmed sure. shape. 
this is very similar. It's just working very gently and continuously behind the teeth. Okay. I didn't want to say slinky, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> that's interesting. Interesting. Would, now, how do you, how do, how does an orthodontist kind of learn, right? What's the onboarding? I'm mean, assuming you have onboarding programs and are you selling, are they buying directly from you or are they buying through, you know, rep organizations? How yeah. do you structure your sales? I would consider us a, a B to C to B type company where, where, you know, we are educating consumers about this and then we're, we're, we're pushing those consumers to um, okay. um, uh, doctors who, who offer it, right? And, um, you know, um, orthodontics is one of those very um, cottage type industries that are very resistant to change. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, our philosophy is to, you know, bring on sort of the very progressive type orthodontists who, who see the same type of future we do. Um, and then, and then, you know, educate them on how to use this technology. And we do it by partnering up with some of the top universities across the nation. Um, we also have some of our own centers of excellence where doctors can come in and kind of, you know, see it done. And we also have a very good peer-to-peer -peer program where doctors can kind of team up with a buddy in, you know, in the area to kind of, you know, see it done. But um, uh, the ortho community um, is very much sort of, uh, I need to see it to believe it, right? So um, that's the type of infrastructure we've set up for them. Okay. Well, I would have, I would have imagined that uh, trade shows or conferences would have been a good vehicle, but no. I, yeah, You're I, striking a, a very sort of personal sort of uh, chord within me here okay. is part of blue ocean. You know, part of category creation is thinking different and playing different and doing things different. And I don't want to get into the trade show. I have a bigger booth than your booth type thing. Okay. Right. We, we have something that here that's very, very innovative. So, yeah. Right. We're not going through traditional traditional stuff means. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's great. I mean, that's a way to differentiate yourself and not be sitting around. And to your point, I, I have clients that talk about going to a trade show. And I said, you're going to most a, of a the existing most of the existing go to market type models are there just to protect the existing guys that are big in those models, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you know, we can't outbig the big guys. So we got to do things our own way. Yeah, no, love that. Right. Love I mean, that. think about Elon, what he did with Tesla. He just ended up creating his own chain of, you know, dealerships to bring it to market, mm -hmm. right? If he was to do, like, do it like everyone else, he would have just pitched to all the existing car companies, right? Yeah, so. no, exactly. And I see that in, in other industries, in the wine industry, uh, wineries creating their own distribution channels without going through the traditional brokers because they can't get the attention that they need. So they just go out on their own. How, yeah. how did, um, you know, certainly in the last few years with, with COVID, it, you know, den dental visits certainly had changed. So has that impacted you guys in your growth strategies? You know, I think some people, some people think, I mean, so COVID was terrible. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, one of the, the, the craziest things to have happened in my lifetime for sure. But um, I don't think COVID slowed anything down. I think if anything, COVID accelerated everything. And if you were an entrepreneur, an innovator, it just kind of really accelerated 
how you thought about these things, right? And if you were a person that kind of liked the status quo, then you kind of see these businesses just kind of retreat into, you know, protecting the the, the existing way of how businesses work. Um, how, you know, for us, um, we have actually been seeing triple digit growth, you know, through COVID. And I think it's because um, people are looking, staring at themselves on these Zoom calls more, more than ever, noticing sort of, you know, how their teeth look and noticing how important it is to kind of um, um, have a good smile when you meet someone for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't want to be reaching into their mouths all the time, popping these Invisalign trays in and out. And they don't want to be coming in every single month like how you do with regular braces. You get tightened all the time. And so, you know, Inbrace has, has, has really kind of offered these consumers uh, what they've been looking for. Okay. Are, are you strictly U.S. Or, or are you outside of the country as well? Um, we do get calls all the time from our orthodontic colleagues from Europe and Asia uh, about Inbrace. And we are laying, laying the framework and all the regulatory sort of uh, things that we need to do overseas. But uh, currently, we're really we're very focused on the U.S. because we want to make sure that we drive a good experience, build a good brand here locally mm -hmm. first. You're pretty much in all 50 states or? Um, correct. So what do you see as your challenges um, as we head into 2022? I think it's without saying that in 2022 or even in this uh, uh, age of COVID, we have to just keep pushing the needle on seeing where the future is going and try to, you know, create and adapt towards that future, right? Um, I think uh, digital is here to stay, sort of uh, mm -hmm. digital meetings, digital treatment planning, you know, digital everything, right? Um, but, you know, there are there are also some universal truths that are never going to go away. So people are going to always going to uh, want to feel better about themselves. People are going to um, more and more care about how they look. And so, you know, being able to sort of merge these two sort of trends together, that's that's going to be a challenge, right? Um, I mean, um, how do you educate folks without being in person, <laughs> you know? Um, how do you uh, um, uh, create this new category when, you know, um, marketing rules around social media and all those things keep changing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think th those are the challenges that, you know, everyone is, is looking at. If you could do it over again, what would you do different? That's a good question. Everybody always says that if you knew how hard it was, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have started, you know. Um, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't have started it, right? But uh, entrepreneurship, category creation, you know, these things are very difficult. And, and you have to do it for more than just the money, more than just the title. It has to, it has to be, there has to be some, some deep, deep why within you, right? To, to want to bring these things to market. Again, iteration is easy, you know, faster cars, better coffee, <laughs> whatever it is, right? But creating something fundamentally new that changes how people think about things, that, that, that requires, you know, um, a, lot, a lot of effort, a lot of heart mm -hmm. and, a big, big why. Now it's you and you have a partner as well. Yeah. And definitely, you know, got to surround yourselves with good people. And, you know, I was very lucky early on to partner up with uh, my professor at the time, Dr. Hong Sheng Tong, 
who's a, one of the world's top bone biologists, also an orthodontist by training. Um, now we have, you know, uh, over 200 people in the company. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look at it now, I mean, not just the 200 people in the company, but, you know, the hundreds of orthotic providers we have across the nation. So, yeah, I got thousands of partners now is what I call it. Right. And it's been great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like an incredible success story, but, you know, every day is a new challenge. And as you continue into the future, right, it's where they say, um, you know, what there's a saying I, I, I've been using recently and I'm now I'm going to mess it up. But it's, <laughs> if you keep doing um, you, the things you did to get you where you are today may not necessarily be the things that take you into the future. And so, you, you know, know that, I'm sorry, cut you off. That's a great saying. And one of the sayings that's that's been I've been saying a lot lately is, you know, things are where they are today because someone changed it from what it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that embodies really the entrepreneurial spirit. And, and you know, it's I you, you said something really early on. And, and actually, I just uh, was interviewed for an article and they said, you know, what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? And, you know, and really was my dad watching my dad turn himself into and studying to become a his own or run his own business and seeing that at a very early age. You know, and I my first job in uh, in the real world, quote unquote. Um, you know, two two years into it, I left and started my first company, which failed eight months later. And but boy, what a lesson! It what a learning lesson. It was tremendous. <laughs> and then seven years later, I did it again, and that one I managed to to grow and ultimately sell. So it, it's I think it's in, embodied in you and the people that are listening today that have their own businesses that. You know, it's just something ingrained that you want to, you know, do something that changes again, back to the why. Again, my, my whole thing isn't about marketing. It's about helping business grow and be successful and, and, you know, have helping them take care of their employees and all that stuff, how we get there. I don't know. Right. Everything is different. One of my mentors told me, if you try and don't reach your goal, it's called learning. Yeah. Yeah. So going to your first startup and all those things, it helped you get to where you are now and going to my first startup and this current company and how we keep pivoting and iterating and all those things. Like it, it's all, there is no end goal. It's just a constant cycle of innovating and learning and evolving in entrepreneurship. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I see these things. You know, um, when I first started off, I remember, Oh, if we can only get that term sheet, we'd be great. If we only get that series, a, we only get that series B. I remember, you know, when we closed our series A, it was like five and a half million or something. We're like, oh, we're set. We're done. Right. <laughs> we just closed a hundred and two million dollar round series D. And now it's like, no, nope, this is just the beginning. Yeah. You know, yeah, fantastic. Well, this has been really uh, great and interesting to hear your journey and, and a lot of great insights for the audiences. So if you could offer my audience three tips, four tips, some insights, what would you tell them? as they're thinking about either the business that they're running or maybe thinking about starting a business, what can, what can they learn? Those takeaways kind of encapsulate uh, your journey. You know, I would sum it up as um, number one, you really, really need to know your why, like what, why does this idea or this thing you're pursuing exists, right? And revisit it yearly. It can evolve. That's fine but you have to know that. Number two, 
is um, if the idea is big enough, it's probably something crazy and something really, really different. Um, and, 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 and it probably has some deep meaning that aligns with your own identity and, and why you think you exist in the world. And that's okay. You know, hold on to that. Don't let other people force you to compromise on that, right? Um, and, and, and number three, have fun, enjoy the journey. Yeah, that's hard so, sometimes, but yes. <laughs> but, 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 but I think if you know your why, you know you're different, and you stick with all that, then you will enjoy it. But if you compromise on, it, on one of those first two, you're going to start hating it. The board's going to run you. The VC is going to run you. The market you know, is going to run you and tell you what to do. And you're going to just have a J-O-B yeah, job. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, but that's not why we're here. And I think you, you made a good point. It, is it, it constantly evolves, and that's okay, as long as you still have that focus. I mean, if, if I think about just my own journey in marketing, which has been my entire career, it evolved so many times to where we are today. It, it's just you adapt, things change. You know, there was, it was a technology change. You had to learn new tools. You had to learn new processes. You had to identify different markets that you never played in My before. friend, what does Apple do? What does Apple do now? It's so much more beyond computers, so much more beyond iPods, so much more beyond iPhones. You know, um, I, I mentioned Tesla a couple of times, but you know, like, what do they do? Like, they they're like self-driving cars, and you know, I mean, they got streaming services. There's like a zillion things, and it, it's it's okay. You know, I, I'm sure Elon's having the time of his life, <laughs> just noodling on his company. You know, and I guarantee you that Embrace is not going to stop here. This is just the beginning. You're already eyeing other products? Um, the ethos here for us is to help people achieve a better you. And there's multiple ways of doing that. Right. One is teeth straining. All right. Well, I'm going to have to have you back as you uh, start to <laughs> launch those other areas. But, th but that's... Again, that gets back to who you are, what your business is. It's not about teeth straightening, right? It's about making a better you. Yes. All right. Well, John, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much for your time today. Why don't you uh, tell the audience how they can connect with you, where the website is, and all that good stuff. All right. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope uh, this was helpful. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you want to learn more about what we're doing, just look us up on www.inbrace.com. That's I-N-B-R-A-C-E.com. Or follow us on Instagram, at Inbrace. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? Growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer, as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, 
utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. To learn more, visit craftmarketingarchitects.com. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.